episode three of the Friday edition of the Posting and Toasting podcast. Sean St. Jacques back here with you. Excited to talk more Knicks this week. Really excited to dive into some of the topics surrounding the Knicks this week as well. Guys, lot to get to again on episode number three. Just wanted to first thank you guys for welcoming me with open arms on the postingandtoasting.com website. And I'm going to get to a question that I saw on there in a second as well. I want to get to that actually a little bit later on in the show because there's a lot of things that I do want to get to as we move on through the show today. And I, I, I think I'll finish the show with that fun question that I saw in the comments of my welcome post uh, welcoming me to the Posting and Toasting family, which, by the way, guys, really appreciate the the welcomes that I got through social media specifically, but also through the PNT website as well. Uh, but yeah, we'll get to that question that I think I'm going to have a lot of fun with, with uh, later on, maybe the last thing, because I want to end on a high note uh, when we finish up the show today. But the show is really surrounded around this theme. It's It's twofold. 2019-2020, two things. Number one, the theme is who is going to step up for this team. That's big. It's it's probably the number one question heading into next season, now that the chips have fallen where they have for the New York Knicks. And part two of this is questions we have to ask as fans and need to have answered for next season as well. During next season, these are some of the questions that need to be asked and have to be answered. We can't just ask them and let them fly by the wayside. These need to be, these are issues that need to be addressed in 2019-2020. So it's twofold. I want to get right to the main part of this right away, the head of the snake. And I, I'm going to get to some of the, 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 the role players. I want to get to some of the young stars. I want to get to some of the guys that kind of came out of nowhere last year, and some of the guys that you're probably thinking have been there way too long as well. And I think you know maybe where I'm going there. I'm going to get to those guys in a second, but I want to get to, to maybe the most important situation surrounding the team next season that's not named Iggy Brasdakis, or I should have led with R.J. Barrett, that doesn't include the rookies and doesn't include some of the free agents that we just signed onto the team. The point guard situation. Now, listen, Knicks fans know this better than anybody, how this situation has gone the last, geez, how many years you want to go back? It's been a long time since the Knicks have had a good enough point guard on this team. Now, going forward, I, it, listen, this, this is a situation that you could have uh, addressed in free agency. The Knicks did not do that. And I know why they didn't do that. They want to see what they have in the two guys that I want to discuss right now. And down the road, we need to know two things about the two point guards that are likely going to get minutes this season. Number one, what the heck is Dennis Smith Jr. made of? What is he going to show us in 2019-2020? That might be for me, for me right now, that might be the biggest question mark heading into 2019-2020. That's the cornerstone of what you got back, besides the picks, in that Chris Porzingis trade. 
He's the only proven commodity that you got back that matters. What is Dennis Smith Jr. made up? What is he going to show? Is he going to be motivated? Is he going to live up to the hype? Everyone said the Knicks should have taken him a couple of seasons ago. They didn't take him. Now they have him. What's he going to do? Here's why I'm concerned. Here's why I'm very concerned about Dennis Smith Jr. I followed him in college as far as covering a couple of his games at NC State, seeing him in Brooklyn at the ACC tournament when it was in Brooklyn a couple of seasons ago when he played under Mark Gottfried with the Wolfpack, North Carolina State University. This is why I know at the time I was very skeptical drafting him. Now, I wouldn't have taken a couple of the players that were taken uh, ahead of him or behind him, I should say, that the Knicks did not take on. They didn't. They passed on him. They took Nilakina. Here's the reason why I, at the time, was very, very skeptical about Dennis Smith Jr., And it's very simple. His attitude in college was a major red flag. There's no other way around it. It was a massive red flag that multiple teams at the time were not thrilled with. That's the bottom line. Remember, this is the 2017 draft we're talking about here. Knicks took Nilakina at eight. Dennis Smith went the next pick to Dallas. Now listen, looking back, the Knicks obviously missed on Malik Monk, Donovan Mitchell. I, I don't want to hear about that. We That's old news. Way old news. Dennis Smith Jr. has not addressed that problem, folks. And here's the problem he has. When things are going good, like they were at times at NC State, they went to Durham and they beat Duke at Cameron Indoor. NC State hadn't done that in two decades. Things were great. He was in a good mood. He loved Coach Gottfried. He loved his teammates. He'd die for loose balls. He loved every second of it. He made the right choice for his college career to go play at NC State. Two weeks later, they lost three games in a row over those two weeks. I think they maybe won two games the rest of the season from January and February, that February point where it kind of was the breaking point for them in conference play. They completely folded. They went from a surefire tournament sleeper to getting knocked out in the first round of the ACC tournament in front of 3,000 fans at Barclays Center because nobody showed up. I know I showed up. I was there. It was embarrassing to watch Dennis Smith Jr. on the floor. And I don't even give a bleep about NC State. Kid was not trying at all. Not getting back on defense. Not trying to get back on defense. Not setting screens. Not trying to get open. Not being aggressive driving to the 10, which is probably the best thing he does. 
There were times last year where he was dunking over kids. And they flop against Clemson in the first round of that ACC tournament. They get knocked out. Why do you think Dallas was fine? Obviously, they traded to get a a little bit of a risky player in KP. Knicks fans know that more than anybody. How tough it can be to root for KP. And with the injury problems, how tough it could be to wait on KP as well. They were fine getting rid rid of Dennis Smith Jr. Take him. We don't need him. Now it's it's obviously you can say well they have Luka Doncic that's the of course they don't need Dennis Smith they've got Luka fair point but but if Dennis Smith Jr had bought in and was good enough and played hard for all of the games he played in Dallas do you really think he would have been included in that deal the kid's a talented player I, I worry about his effort at times. When things are not going well, he does not help the situation. Will that continue with the Knicks? Will David Fisdale allow that to continue? I really hope not. Because here's the worst case scenario for me, for Dennis Smith Jr., is the second player that I'm bringing up in this conversation, Alfred Payton, takes his job. Because I could see that happening this season. Alfred Payton is a team player. You could talk about how he's not lived up to the hype. Remember, the kid went to Louisiana Lafayette. Nobody had heard of the kid before before his draft night, which was a few years before Dennis Smith Jr.'s. I was looking at his stats the other day. And to be fair... It's been a little bit disappointing in the scoring department, but assists-wise, he's been fine. He's averaging six or seven assists every season. He's averaging almost two steals a game going back to a couple of seasons ago. This past season didn't play as much, only averaged a steal per game, but he's averaged 1.7, 1.5 steals per game when he's played a lot. What I'm saying is this, there is no way Dennis Smith, Dennis Smith Jr. should be losing out to Alfred Payton. He's more talented than Alfred Payton, in my opinion. But if it doesn't work out for him mentally, if he's not in it, if he's not committed, if he's not all in, I could easily see Dennis Smith Jr. losing out to Alfred Payton. Now how bad does that KP trade look if KP plays next season and plays like we saw him play in his rookie season? Or that second season where he looked like an MVP candidate for a while? Here's the thing. We could argue all we want about what's going to happen in a year from now or two years from now. I'm talking about this season with the point guard situation. Chris Paul is not walking through that door, folks. There was no chance that Russell Westbrook was coming here. Nor should they have. I addressed this on the last show that I did. The Knicks are rebuilding. They're building with the younger guys. Do they still need a point guard? Of course they do. But right now, Dennis Smith Jr. and Alfred Payton are the top candidates to be that guy. 
And in my opinion, if one of them works out, you could need them. When you're going for playoff appearances, hopefully with a point guard that either you get through free agency or through the draft, that can be your starter, that you can depend on when it matters most. These games matter for that. In 2019, 2020, they matter. So it matters who gets the job. It matters who performs between these two guys at the point guard position. Dennis Smith Jr., it's make or break for him. I know it's only, what, his third year in the league? Third or fourth year in the league we're coming up on? I think it's his third year. We're coming up on year three, folks. Kid's 22, going to be 22 this year. These games matter. They really do. You can even look at you can look at Dennis Smith Jr.'s stats from last season to this season, and there's already a drop off. Now with the Knicks, 21 games, he actually started to get back to what he was doing that first year in Dallas, and was more efficient shooting two pointers with the Knicks by a lot than Dallas, by almost four percentage points. The one thing that is concerning is his three-point shooting. But for me, the biggest thing that concerns me, as far as his competition with Alfred Payton, is Dennis Smith Jr. for his career doesn't average five assists per game. That can't happen. I know he's a scorer. But this guy's got to be getting guys involved, too. Alfred Payton's averaging six, seven assists per game, folks. For his career... He's averaging almost seven assists per game. Last season, he averaged almost eight assists per game. That's a career high for Alfred Payton. Now he's in slightly less games, but same amount of minutes. 30 minutes per game. Kid is still getting guys involved. On a New Orleans team that was eh last year, Anthony Davis didn't want to play on this team. Now, the bigger point here is, whoever wins that battle, what are they going to give this team? Is is Alfred Payton going to catch Dennis Smith Jr.? What's going to happen there? I really worry about the pros and the cons with Dennis Smith Jr. I really do. The Reggie Bullock situation with the contract and the injury, was it worth it? Maybe not one of the top questions, but because it's newsworthy, I do want to mention this. It's a tough call right now. Listen, he took the he took less money. He had to. I, I mean, after after you discover that big of an injury, you have to take less money. I mean, let's you know, level with us here, Reggie. Come on. It, it's a given that that was going to happen. I still think it's worth the deal. Listen, it's not great to have somebody injured, especially as Reggie Bullock is a guy that's kind of a a one or he's a three and D guy for a lack of a better term. I don't want to say one dimensional. He can do multiple things, but he's really a three and D guy. I mean, that's, that's really what it comes down to. Reggie Bullock is still 28 years old. There's still time for him to make an impact in the NBA. I think you see what happens. He wasn't the biggest of the signings. 
For next season, though, if he does get to play, and he should play at some point, we got to see what he brings to the table. So I just want to briefly bring that into the conversation as well, because for a lot of these free agents, it's make or break. If they don't pan out, they're not sticking around. And they know that. This is this is not the these guys aren't no they're not the future of this team if they don't play well, and that's part of why this plan is is a good plan. You're going to push these guys to their limits and see if they're good enough to be part of this franchise going forward over the next year, two years, three years. If they are great, if they're not, you've now got cap space to get somebody else, and that's why guys like Reggie Bullock being on this team works out very well in my opinion it really does let's get to some of the more pressing questions surrounding the Knicks Alonzo Trier is a guy that I am very very interested in heading into next season Arizona kid got into some trouble in college for a number of reasons that I'm not going to get into you can look it up yourself This is a kid, 23 years old, could have been a higher draft pick, by the way, folks, if he had come out earlier from college, took the risk, messed up in college in a couple of different ways under Sean Miller in a program that if you don't follow college hoops, you may have no idea, but if you do, you know that Arizona is in a lot of trouble right now with a number of the ways that they've handled slash bent slash broken NCAA rules. And Alonzo Trier and other guys in his class, they very well may have been victims of that. But that's for another time. He used that and came into the NBA and was great for for quite a bit of that early part of the season, coming off the bench. He finished, honestly, with... If you you had told me... let, Let me put it this way. If you had told me after the draft, when Alonzo Trier ends up basically being an afterthought on draft night. He ends up going with the Knicks, going to the Knicks, I should say. He signs with the Knicks. If you had told me that he would have averaged 10.9 points per game, two assists does feel low, even for him, but 10.9 points per game, shooting almost 40% from three, and shooting almost 47% from two, 45% from the field, and would have played 64 games last year? 64 games! I would have said you were nuts. But he was one of the bright spots last season. Much like the team, he he, he peered off at the end. Fair enough. But he still showed the signs. But here's what I worry about with Alonzo Trier. What's his ceiling? Was that the best we were going to get out of Alonzo Trier? How much better does it get from here? Because he already has exceeded expectations to a lot of people, including myself. There were times in college when some people did think he was a top 10 pick but then he didn't perform 
He's gotten back closer to that level, but how much higher can he go? I worry about that. I really do. And people lump him in, in this conversation. What are the younger guys going to be going forward to this franchise? How much of the, how big is this core? How big does this core go? Robinson, Barrett. You throw in Kevin Knox. Where's Alonzo Trier fit in that situation? He's one of the quote-unquote young guys. He is. He's shown signs last year. What's he going to give you in year two? I'm really interested, but also skeptical. Because I don't know how good of a player Alonzo Trier is going to be. I just don't know. Was last year the best of Alonzo Trier? I really hope it wasn't. Because if he pans out, things look a lot different for the New York Knicks. So I'm really interested to see what he's going to bring to this franchise. All right, got to take a quick break. We still have a lot of questions to get to. Knox, Robinson, free agents, sleeper guys to look out for for the Knicks next season as well. And a question from you guys to end the show on the PNC Podcast. Back in a second. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, guys, time to answer some of the more obvious questions for the New York Knicks heading into 2019-2020 that need to be addressed. One guy that I really need to get to here, I'm, I'm, I'm actually surprised I didn't get to him earlier. Usually, this is a guy in this conversation that is one of the first guys up. But I'm going to get to him now because it it's a huge question for the Knicks. And I alluded to him earlier. Uh, you're probably, I mean, if you're a diehard Knicks fan, like many people like me that and many people that listen to this podcast and other shows and things like that, you're probably been, you've been, his his name has been pounding your head for a couple of years now, and you're just like, how the heck have you not mentioned this kid? We got to talk about Frank Nilakina here. And heading into year three, he's going to be 21 years old. Here's, here's the number one question for me. And this is how I phrase it when I talk to people that I, that I consider diehard Knicks fans, NBA fans, people that care about where this team is, where this franchise is. How many more chances is Frank Nilakina going to get? For me, that's how I phrase it now. You know, I, I I don't like putting it in pros and cons and, you know, is he going to develop? And yes, he was injured at times last year and he only played, what, 43 games a season ago and he's only started 25 games in his career and blah, 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 blah. How many more chances is he going to get? How much faith do the Knicks have in him? Phil Jackson is gone, folks. 
The people that backed him are gone when they took him. The people that, that wanted him on this team when he was drafted, they're gone. And by that I mean Phil Jackson. He's gone, folks. So how many more chances is this kid going to get? I know he was hurt last year. I get that. You can use that as an excuse. Fine. I know he's going to only be 21 years old. I know. I get it. But he can't score the ball. He struggles on offense. And the best thing he does is his defense. He's got the length and he can stay in front of guys and all that stuff. There are times where he's not aggressive on the floor defensively. I know he's putting in the hard work. But how many chances is he going to get before it's like, you know what, I don't think he's good enough. I don't think he's going to be part of this team moving forward. Is it 22? Is it 23? Is it, God help us, 24? This might be the make or break year for Frank Nilakina as far as is he going to be around here for years to come. Some have already given up on him. Two years in, done. Not going to happen. Listen, I'm close. I'm close. I'm close. I got to see it. I got to see progression from Frank Nilakina this year. I've got to see it. Enough's enough. You got to put it in. You got to, you've got to put in the work, but it's got to show up on the court too. If, if, no one's, no one's free, getting a free pass is what I'm trying to say. Everyone is under scrutiny as far as, are you good enough to be on this team for this process? Frank Nilakina is top of the list as far as question marks for next season. How much longer is he going to be a New York Nick? How much longer is he going to be in the NBA? I don't know. But next year is going to go a long way to answering that question. And the number one question for me, and the Knicks are probably already asking themselves this. If they're smart, they're already asking themselves this. How many more chances? How many more years? How many more games is it going to take for us to say, yes, he's part of it. No, he's not. That's got to be answered in 2019, 2020, or we better have at least a very good idea. Because I keep, I it's it's not split. I would say more Knicks fans probably think that Nilakina is done. But coming off of an injury, he's going to get another chance. He was a top 10 pick. What is it going to mean for next season and going forward for Frank Nilakina? We got to see what happens. We got to see what happens with him and if he's good enough to stick around in the league and with the Knicks specifically. Kevin Knox and Mitchell Robinson, for me, cornerstones going forward, they have to be. But my two question marks, one each for them, Kevin Knox, can he get back to doing what he does best? For for those that didn't watch him at Kentucky, the thing that this kid does best is going to the basket, being aggressive on offense, going to the rim kicking it out and playing team basketball, showing off his athleticism. He's not a good three-point shooter. 
yet. Yet there's times last year where Kevin Knox is setting up a tent in the corner and just waiting for threes. That can't happen. He's not good enough as a three-point shooter yet to do that. Heck, you can argue he's not good enough of a shooter, period, to do that. But when he's at his best, and listen, I'm I'm in the camp that Kevin Knox had a, had a decent, solid, however you want to say, a good rookie season for the circumstances that he was in. 13 points per game, just about. Almost five rebounds a game and assists per game. But I got to see a lot more out of Kevin Knox. I got to be seeing 17 points a game next year. I got to be seeing him go into the bucket, looking to throw it down on people. I got to be seeing him driving and kicking it out for for shooters on this team. I got to be seeing him be a lot more aggressive going to the bucket. That's what he does best. And I'm specifically talking the offensive end of the four. You can talk about defense all you want. For Kevin Knox to be part of this as a cornerstone guy, he's only 19 years old, folks. He's going to turn 20 in the, what, middle of August? When the season starts, he'll be 20. I got to see him be more aggressive on the offensive end. For Mitchell Robinson, we all know what, we all know what the question is. But obvious questions. You gotta you gotta ask them. Mitchell Robinson's offensive game, what's he gonna add? What's that gonna look like? We know what he brings to the table. Athleticism, length, defense. Seven point three points per game in his first season. Okay. He showed the signs. Seven and six rebounds per game. Fair enough. He was a rookie. That's got to be closer to a double-double next season, in my opinion. With the opportunities that he should get next season, I got to be looking at 12 and 10. We got to move this thing forward. Listen, that might be a lot for him, but you know what I really want to see? Is him get better on the offensive end. Add things to his game. Be more versatile on the offensive end. Keep working on that shot. Keep working on posting up. Can't lob it to you every time for an alley-oop. You got to be more than one-dimensional on the offensive end. We got to see that from Mitchell Robinson. And we'll see if that pans out. For me, that's, that is a, that's, it's not as big of a worry for me because he's athletic. He's an athletic guy. And these are things that are skills that can be learned. So I think Mitchell Robinson's going to be okay. I really do. But I got to start seeing it on the court. Free agents, who's going to stand out? For me, I think we all know where this has to go. Julius Randle has to be the star on this team. Julius Randle has to be averaging 20 points per game a night on this team, being consistent, rebounding, and scoring the ball. It has to happen. Three-year deal. This guy's going to be around when that next free agent period comes around for the Knicks when it matters. 
if he's going to be the part of the team that lasts and is part of the team that gets us back to the promised land, gets this Nick franchise back to where it's been in the past, Julius Randle, it starts now. It starts now. There's no drop-off. There can't be a drop-off. You look at his numbers, and I'm sure some of you were surprised to see how good he was, numbers-wise at least, with the Pelicans last season. I got to see that again in New York. It might be tough. It's a tough adjustment. Another kid that's from Kentucky, by the way. So this is a kid from from the University of Kentucky, played his college ball at Kentucky. What's going what's gonna to happen there? Are we going to see the Randall that it's promising and is worth that three-year contract? So when it comes to year three, we're already thinking, yeah, this guy's got to be around. This guy's got to be a part of it. That's That has got to be it. Dark horses for guys that are going to step up. Will it be Damian Dotson? Will it be Wayne Ellington? You know, these are guys that are, could be glue guys on this team, for lack of a better term. They really could be. I, I really like Damian Dotson's demeanor on the court. I got to start seeing it as far as him getting better as a player. I know he's going to put the hard work in. This is a kid in college in Houston that was the hardest working player on his team. And I think a lot of the Knicks fans have caught on to how hard he works on the floor. We know what hard work looks like, and it's Damian Dotson. But as far as being a long-term guy on the team, a guy that can score 20, maybe have a 30-point game like he's had at times last season, can he make that more consistent? Wayne Ellington's a guy that's interesting to me because he he's a veteran guy that has got a lot of skills on the court. He does a lot of the little things well. I think Knicks fans are going to like Wayne Ellington a lot. Played for a great coach in college. He's bounced around the NBA a bit. I think that a lot of people are going to enjoy watching Wayne Ellington play. He's a player's player. He's a fan's player. Guy that fans are going to enjoy just based on how hard he works, little things he does, smart guy on the floor. So those are guys to me that I think Nick fans, some of you already love Damian Dotson. I don't blame you. I do too. But I think Wayne Ellington is a guy that for next season, I, I if he plays enough, that's the other thing. You know, if David Fisdale wants to go young guys, young guys, young guys, young guys, then it might be a completely different conversation. But for me, looking at the way the roster is right now, if Wayne Ellington gets in there and plays enough to make an impact, he's a guy for me. Now, again, short-term contract. That was what had to be part of this situation. But as far as the veteran guys, I'm trying to focus on the veterans that were brought in here. And obviously there's guys that I'm missing that I'm going to get to on future shows. But certainly of the 30-plus guys, Wayne Ellington's the guy to watch for me. As far as veterans that could come in and be part of this team, make an impact, be the fan favorites that we need them to be so they could be cornerstone, glue guys, do the right things, do the small things that help win games. Wayne Ellington's a perfect candidate for that, in my opinion. So that's got to be a guy that Knicks fans watch out for moving forward as well.
All right, I'm going to get out of here on this. I did want to answer a fan, sort of a fan question. I don't know if it was, I have to go back and read it, but I don't know if it was directed completely at me or it just showed up in, in my announcement of me joining, officially joining uh, the podcast network. And here it comes. It's from David on postingandtoasting.com. The question is this, which would be more satisfying this season? The Knicks sweeping the Celtics, the Nets, or the Sixers in the regular season? I know, and this is him, I know none would actually happen, he says, but it would be sweet if we got to sweep Philly. Here's where I fall on that. It's a great question, and it it was, it it really uh, piqued my interest. I don't know, it might have been just the question to the group that that's comments on all these posts on postingandtoasting.com, but I saw it going through some of those comments and I had to hop in here. I had to, <laughs> I had to give my two cents on this uh, because for me, the answer uh, is simple. Uh, for this season, if you're talking 2019, 2020, for me, no KD, uh, I, I don't care about sweeping the nets. I, I, you'd love to sweep. First of all, I'll say this because that doesn't that didn't sound right to be honest with you as a Knicks fan but I'd love to sweep all of these teams but this is you have to pick one you have to pick one here okay what's the most satisfying for me my opinion here you guys I I don't know if there's a wrong answer here either to be honest with you the Nets to me until they get KD there's not a lot of satisfaction there for me I know Kyrie didn't want to come here in the end and all that, but KD's the one in my crosshairs. I'd love nothing more than when KD comes back with Kyrie to sweep him off the floor during the regular season. That's a lot of games, by the way, but to take them out, I would love nothing more. But for 2019-2020, no KD. It's not interesting to me. Sorry. Sorry, Brooklyn. Not to rain on your parade. But the Nets are not interesting until KD plays. So, they're third for me. Sixers, uh, you're, I'm getting closer there. I, I, I you know, Philly fans, uh, <laughs> Philly fans, yeah, we'll leave it at that. I think we all know about Philly fans. But, and to be honest, the Sixers are the best team this season out of those three. And I, and I think the Sixers are still highly overrated because they're one injury away from being a very mediocre team. But for me, the, there'd be nothing better than to sweep the Boston Celtics. I know that they just lost Kyrie Irving. But it's Boston, the team that always is putting the Knicks down over the years. For me, what my you could in my lifetime, in my lifetime, which has been, what, 23, 4 years? I can't even remember how old I am. 24 years in my life. One of my favorite moments as a Knicks fan was seeing Carmelo save the day in game six in Boston and knocking the Celtics out of the playoffs and ending the big three era in Boston and watching Boston have to chant those players off the floor because you know what? It was over. So there'd be nothing better for me as a Knicks fan than to sweep Boston and knock them out. Obviously, we're talking regular season specifically, but to be the thorn in Boston's side 
for this season specifically. We could talk 2020, 2021 later, and then I'll go with the Nets. But for this season, my two cents, oh, give me the Celtics. Are you kidding me? I would want to sweep them. I would want to beat them every night. I'd want to take them out every single night. One of my one of the best feelings as a Knicks fan is when we beat the Celtics. Doesn't happen a lot. I'll give you that. But whenever the Knicks beat the Celtics, it matters. It still matters to me, and it should matter to you as well. I'll try to answer more of those questions in future shows. Keep them coming at SJ7 on Twitter or postingandtoasting.com on all the posts. Hit me up with your questions. It's not a problem. I have no problem answering any Knicks question you want to throw my way. And if you want to ask personal questions, I guess, uh, try to keep them clean, and I'll try to answer some of those as well. Appreciate you guys, as always, for listening. I'll see you guys next Friday on the PNT Podcast Friday edition.